0: Evening, continuing our series in the book of uh, the first epistle of John, and we are in verse 19. We'll be doing verse 19, 20, and 21 this evening. Verse 19 is a a small verse. It says, We love him because he first, in fact, in the original Greek, that him is not there, just we love because he first loved us. So John introduces uh, you know this strong emphasis to say love actually comes from God. If in case, you know, we think yes, I'm able to love one another, and this is my potential that I have, I'm a very loving individual. James says, hey, look here, we cannot be proud in our thinking that we can love others on our own. God is the source of all love. So we love because he first loved us. So a practical application of this, in a short words would be if in case we find it difficult to love others, you know, especially someone who has wronged us, then when we continue to meditate on the love that God has for us, which he showed for us on the cross, we begin to understand, hey, we didn't deserve it in any way, but so who should we be? Why should we withhold any love to any individual at all? So clean, pure channels for God's love. God is not saying, look, here, you exert some pressure and you know, do you know, some loving. He says, no, I want you to be only a channel of my love because he is love. We love because he first loved us. And when you are thinking about this word love, remember, it is not an emotional term. Oftentimes in the today's world, when you think about love, we think about some emotions. But love in the scriptures is a, a term from the will. We choose to love. The agape love is a love that decides to put into operation. It's a very dynamic kind of love. So. When the scripture says, you know, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And here in the previous verses where John has said, you can have confidence on the day of judgment if you see this love flowing out of your life. So it's not a question of you deciding, okay, I want to have confidence from today onwards. Somehow I'm going to exert myself to love someone who I don't get along with. No, no. It's a question of recognizing if we have responded to God, then he is in us. If he is in us, then his love is in us. So we are never short supply of God's love. All that we need to do is say, Lord, here's a person with whom I find it difficult to love. But I'm asking you because you have given me your love inside of me. Help me to love this individual as well. So when it says we love because he first loved us, it starts from God. He's not asking you to do something which is you know, not capable of fulfilling in your life. And this is why John has been saying this is a sign that you and I are his children because This type of love does not come naturally. The natural kind of love is a very conditional love. It may be an emotional love. It would be a love that says, I want this done from you, so as a result, I'm going to love you. Or because you have done this, I'm obligated to do this for you. But no, God's love is not a conditional love. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that starts from Himself, the one who gave Himself to us. So since He first loved us, it says, we also ought to love one another. So the only reason we love at all is because he first loved us. Remember the Ten Commandments were given and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, first five obedience to God, second five response to man. Now these are laws that were given that we will love God and love people. but. If you notice, no matter how hard a person tried in the Old Testament in keeping those Ten Commandments, he was not in a position to do. Because the law only showed his incapability, that he was not able to do what God asked him to do. But it's only when Jesus came into this world, died on the cross for us, that it is now made possible to love one another, to fulfill the law. Because he says, I put my love into your heart. That is why we are able to love because he first loved us and we have responded to that love. And this in a Warren we mentions about a large quantity of radioactive material was stolen from a hospital. And when the hospital administrator noticed and that the radioactive material cannot be successfully hidden. As long as he has it in his possession, it is affecting him disastrously. A person who claims he knows God and is in union with him must be personally affected by this relationship. In other words, just as much as carrying the radioactive material with you, you know, it is naturally going to affect you. If we say you're a believer, if we say Christ is living in you, then the love of Christ, which was shed on the, shown on the cross should also naturally be seen in us. So a person who claims he knows God and is in union with him must be personally affected by this relationship. It is easy to say, I love God. But it is shown in our actions when we love one another, whether we truly love God. So this is why in 1 John 4:20 John writes, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. So having said, you must love one another, having said by loving the other person this is the confidence that we have that our relationship with god is right because he is the one who is living in us to enable us to love the other person he moves on as has been the pattern in this whole epistle and then moves on to the other side the corollary or the opposite of that which speaks about if a person says he loves god but he hates his brother he is a a liar two things loving God and loving another person, loving the brother has to be together. It is like two sides of the same coin. You cannot bifurcate it. You cannot say, I love God, but people I hate. And that is what a lot of people have said, isn't it? Some people say, you know, I would have followed Christianity. I love Jesus, but these Christians in the church, you know, they are horrible. So because of the people, I don't want to follow Christianity. But we must make sure that our life is showing forth the life that God has for us so that when the people look at our lives, they are able to say, hey, see how they love one another. So he says if a person says something and does something else, he is a liar. He is a liar. So it's easy to deceive ourselves because it's easy to say, I've accepted Jesus. It is easy to say, I love God. But John is very clear, the sign that you really love God is lifestyle is matching. And he doesn't mince words. He says if a person only claims but is not walking in his ways, that's the theme that he has been speaking to us all along, he says he is a liar. If you're not a sinner, John uses the word liar with reference to three tests so far. With regard to the moral test in chapter 2 and verse 4, he says, the one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. With respect to the doctrinal test, he said in 1 John 2.22, who is the liar? But the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. And here, now he expresses the social test by saying, if we say we love God, then this has to be true of loving the other person. If we don't, then definitely you are a liar. So John's argument is that we cannot separate the two great commandments, love God, love your neighbor. It is correlated together across this way by saying faith and action. A person cannot say I have only faith, but his actions is not showing it. It is together. That's the same thought that he is expressing over here where Jesus also said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my commandments. It is something like, you know, if you have a wheel, okay, you know, as the spokes get nearer to the center of the wheel, they get nearer to each other. On the circumference, you know, on the rim, you find they are all separated, you know, with a little distance. But as they come closer to the center, of the wheel, you find they are all coming much more closer. So as we get closer to the Lord, the more we will love our fellow believers. If we do not love the Lord, then the question is, you know, we have been separated and we say we can compartmentalize it, you know, and it's, say, no, if I get close, too close to this person, it's going to, you know, be upsetting to me. So we keep our distance, you know, But here, the scripture is very clear. As we come closer to God, we find that we will definitely get closer to one another. Now, he says if a person says one thing and does something else, he says he's a liar. Then he also says he hates his brother. He hates his brother. Now, we may say, no, 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 I don't hate that person. I just want to keep my distance. But if you notice the word hate, actually means, you know, to have a strong dislike, you know, to have a strong dislike and expression of even hostility toward that person. And when he's speaking about this word hate, he's speaking about a habitual hating that individual. It's not a question of, okay, something happened and then for that momentary aspect, you know, you were upset with it. No, no, he's speaking about a habitual behavior of hating people in the fellowship. Because he says and "If a person hates his brother. It is not the world around, okay? It is not everybody on the street. He's speaking about the word brother. Remember, you know, the word brother comes from the Greek word adelphos, which means from the same womb. He says, we are part of the same family. So if you're part of the same family, how can you be upset with another person habitually for such a long time? You know, something is wrong. Maybe you're not part of the family. That's what he says. So he says, if a person hates his brother whom he has seen, you know, and he's saying, you know, I love God, whom you have not seen, he says, This is just not possible. This is just not possible. So we have a second check it out in our lives. If we refuse to love the tangible people within the body of Christ, you know, then we cannot claim to love the intangible God whom we have not seen. This, if you were to say, is the test to check it out. And if we see this is real, it is God's love that flows within us to love one another in the fellowship, then we recognize hey, this is not me. This is God. And then, day of judgment, you can have the confidence. Now, in verse 21, he says, And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. You have to say, Love one another, love your brother is a commandment. And he ends this particular chapter by reiterating this particular command. Okay. Remember, when God gives us a command, it comes prepackaged, as it were, you know, with power to keep that command. God never gives us a command and says, "Hey, look at this—the command that I've given you. I'm sure you won't be able to handle it, but this is what you have to do. Somehow struggle." No, no. When God gives us a command, when God's word says, "Keep my commandments," you know, then God enables us to keep His commandments. How? It is the Spirit of God who has been Given to us. So none of us you know, can say, hey, I cannot do this. Or none of us can say, look at this person and you know, I is too difficult to handle. Now, this is why John, knowing that it is easy for us to make excuses of love by saying, maybe I've tried, this person is impossible to love. If you really knew how difficult this person is, you, know, you will understand why I don't love him. Now, These are excuses that we come up with. But John says, Hey, look here, this is a commandment. He reiterates that commandment and says, This is the commandment that you should love. Now, we can't shrug it off and say, Look here, that's an option. No, no. It's only my relationship with God that matters. No. With fellow believers in the fellowship is a sign that our relationship with God is clear. And this love, gives us the confidence in the Day of Judgment. Remember, loving one another is never a suggestion, is never an option. It is always a command. Now, remember, love, that means shows that it's not a feeling, but rather an action. Self-sacrificing commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one that is loved. When it says it's a command, it's not a question of feeling; it's an action term. Okay, so John is saying the end of the matter is this: that loving God and loving others is a package deal. You cannot have one without the other. With this thought, and you know, I'm sure you have heard about porcupines, and you, know? you don't want to get in you know, a very close to any porcupine, you know. But remember, in every church, there will be a porcupine or two with sharp quills of criticism or sarcasm or arrogance. Now, I may want to avoid them, but God places us in communities of believers for fellowship. He commands us to love one another, including the porcupine types, you know? and honest with ourselves, we'll also have to admit that we also have a couple of porcupines quills as well. So, John is saying, you know, he who loves God must love his neighbor also. And to do this, we have to ask God to help us to relax our wills instead of just when, as soon as you meet somebody, you know, as a porcupine will throw out, you know, open up all its quills that we would learn to relax those quills. Even when other people are prickly, it is the Holy Spirit who will help us. To stop being defensive or critical or controlling and enable us to love the people in the family. And this is the way to show the world that we love God. Let's try together.